Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by patrons like Logan Keller. Support Switchcraft and my other content for as little as a dollar and get exclusive rewards at patreon.com slash run jump stomp. Episode 120 of Switchcraft is also brought to you by opseats.com. Uh, head on over there, buy your fantastic gaming chairs there. Uh, use the coupon code run jump sit to get $10 off your chair. That's opseats.com. So thank you to them for sponsoring this episode of Switchcraft. Switchcraft is recorded live three times a week at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and on Saturdays, whenever the universe lets me. Uh, tune in at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp, just like these fantastic people. We've got Vaxer, Link31254, Awate86, who just resubscribed on Twitch, thank you. PatrickMan85, Snowgoesham, TF Wagner is here putting uh, Futur, I'm sorry if I've messed up your name there, sir, or ma'am. Uh, Chris Maz is here as well. We've got Red V Blue, um, I think I already said Snow was here. Joel Mead24, ARSLEA. Uh, dance 77 and I'm scrolling and that's as far back as it'll let me scroll. I can't scroll back no more. Uh, but thank you guys for joining me. I'm sure that there's also other people that I've missed. I'm sorry about that, but I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me live, uh, when I record this show. Let's jump in with feedback. Uh, we're going to start off. I've got a, um, Real quick, at the end of the show, uh, I have interviewed Mel Kirk from Zen Studios, the makers of Pinball FX3, which came out today, the 12th, on the Nintendo Switch. Um, So if you are just interested in the news, make sure that you listen to the the news stuff. And then at the end, I'm going to throw in uh, the interview as well. So make sure that you stick around at the end and check that out. It was a really great conversation, and I appreciate Mel coming on the show and and talking to me. Um, let's uh, let's hit that first review. We've got a review from That One Juice Guy. Uh, they said, The Nintendo Switchcraft has been one of my favorite podcasts to date. RJS does an excellent job of keeping up with current Nintendo events, topics, news, and game coverage. He is very clear and concise with his discussions, which, which is a refreshing alternative to some of the other game-oriented podcasts that take listeners off on jumbled tangents. Well, I don't know that I don't do a lot of tangents, but thanks for thanks for telling me that. Uh, I appreciate it, and thank you for reviewing the show. It definitely helps. And your name is funny, that one juice guy. I like that name. Um, you can email me to, to give me some of your feedback at runjumpstomp at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at runjumpstomp. You can call and leave a voicemail at 260-RUN-JUMP. That's 260-786-5867. And of course, Join our community at runjumpstomp.com slash discord, and uh, we'll have all kinds of fun discussions there. Time for the news. 
Well, according to Nintendo Insider, it looks like uh, we might be getting some classic Square Enix games coming to the Switch. Uh, They talked to uh, Yasuke Matsuda, uh, and he had spoken out about his... he, He wants his company to make their older titles available as digital releases on newer platforms like the Nintendo Switch. And I think this is a great move because there's a lot of kids out there who were growing up, who missed out on some early Square stuff. And my only worry is that most PC ports that I've played of um, Square games uh, have been just not great ports. Um, not that it, it's, it usually has something to do with the options or the resolution or the controls. They just don't translate well. And if they're going to be bringing these older games back forward to the switch i really hope that they don't change any of the graphics or anything like that like for instance final fantasy 6 on uh steam a lot of people they really don't like that game because they they changed all of the graphics into higher res um artwork and it just doesn't look as good as the old stuff which is a really weird thing to say uh anyway uh so yasuke matsuda Uh, said, one of our big initiatives is to get as many of our past titles available via digital releases. Among the younger generation of gamers, you've got lots of people out there who may have heard of our past titles, but have never had an opportunity to play them. And that's a really good point, because outside of piracy, it's hard to play these old titles. So if they start releasing them, then people will have less of a reason to download them illegally. I think that that's a really important thing uh to bring your old stuff forward so that people can can experience that stuff it's not like with movies where you can always watch an old movie uh sometimes playing an old game is all but impossible uh he went on to say so we think that program that program of porting and transferring of older titles over to newer platforms such as the switch is very important so that people get the awareness of our back catalog just straight ports isn't cutting it we need to update those and modernize them to make something that works for modern gamers too. This is what makes me nervous. This part of what they said, it really makes me nervous because I don't want those classic games to be modernized. I want those classic games to be exactly the way they are. Just bring a straight port. I think that that's a mistake. That being said, you know, I'm ready to be wrong. I'm ready to eat my words. I'm ready to find out that that, that I did want the uh, Chrono Trigger to be ported with some modern stuff in it. Um, I hope that I'm wrong about that. I hope that it's fantastic, but I just worry that it won't be. So this is a really cool looking game. It's called Spirit Sphere DX. It's coming to the Switch. It's like this weird combination of magic and... Um, swords and tennis, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, but basically they split the level in half. You've got like a fence between you. You've got somebody on the top half, somebody on the bottom half, and you've got what looks like a magic orb that bounces back and forth. Now, all right, that's fine. But how is it different? Well, You have like magic spells or you have a sword and the grass is growing on the court while you're fighting 
and that slows down the ball or slows you down. So you have to use your sword to cut that grass down so that you can have a, a clear path in the middle of the match. So while you're playing this weird tennis game, you're also trying to make sure that your court is clear. Um, and it, it plays up to four players. It's got this really cool, I like to call it a 12-bit art style, halfway between um, 8 and 16. And I think that this game looks like a lot of fun, up to four players locally. They didn't say in the video, I, I believe they didn't say uh, whether or not that was going to include online Um I don't think it would be as fun online. This is definitely a game where you want to be playing uh, sitting next to somebody, especially when Nintendo doesn't have that voice stuff built in. Um, but this is a this looks like a fun game, and it doesn't look like it's overly complicated. I don't think it's a motion control game. It's a take off the Joy Cons, hand them to somebody, and play with half of a Joy Con uh, like this. You know what I mean? I'm holding up a Joy Con if you're just listening to the to the show. Um, so that's Spirit Sphere DX. I think it looks great. Um, I don't think that there was actually a release date in the video. Let me click the video real quick and find out. Yeah, so it comes out spring 2018. That's all we know so far. But I think the game looks great. And it's definitely going to be on my wish list for something to pick up later. Speaking of wish list, I think that there's something that Nintendo had on their wish list. And it was that they would sell a whole... Hell of a lot of switches, and it looks like they have. This is according to Engadget. Um, Engadget sold, or I'm not, Engadget didn't sell. Uh, Engadget is reporting that Nintendo has already sold over 10 million switches, and this is actually from uh, the Nintendo uh, website, which is great. They said, as of December 10th, uh, worldwide, life to date sell-through for Nintendo Switch, which launched on March 3rd, has surpassed 10 million. That is roughly 1 million Switches every single month, which is fantastic. This is matching the pace of the PS4. Uh, So, you know, a lot of people who are constantly saying things like Nintendo is intentionally keeping supply low uh, to try and increase the amount of that are sold that's not true because people don't accuse sony of doing that and nintendo is selling switches at the same rate that uh sony sold ps4s in its first year so that tells me that there are plenty of switches on the shelf or there would be but people are going in and buying them right away they're not they like there's no moss growing on these Uh, They are disappearing really, really quick, and that's because the demand is so high. Nintendo has said before they were predicting that they were going to be crossing that 14 million mark by the end of the first fiscal year, which is more than the Wii U sold in its lifetime. Um, Snow Goes Ham in chat says, The Switch was the number one Black Friday sales item. It was because a lot of people waited for Black Friday sales, but still bought it even without a sale. And a lot of people were asking, and I've said this before on the show, but a lot of people were asking, how come the Switch isn't on sale for Black Friday? And my answer was simply, it doesn't need to be on sale. People want this thing so bad, they're going to spend the $300 for it, and it's definitely worth the $300. I've spent a lot of money on video games this year, and I'm extremely happy that the Switch was one of those purchases. Uh, And there's 10 million other people, well, 
almost 10 million other people like me out there who uh, probably are very happy that they picked up uh, this portable console. Uh, I'm surprised that you have time to talk uh, this being launch day for you. You guys must be running around like crazy. Yeah, it is it is a little crazy right now. Um, I, I actually like talking on launch day because it gives me a break from the insanity that is uh, going on right now. Uh, it's very much organized chaos. So I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. It gives me a nice break. Awesome. Like there's probably people in the other room like, where is Mel? We need Mel for this. And he's like, oh, I, the interview's been over for hours, but you're not going to tell anybody, are you? <laughs> uh, anyway, for those of you that don't know, this is Mel Kirk. He's from Zen Studios. They're the makers of Pinball FX3, uh, which launched today on the Nintendo Switch. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your game? Yeah. Uh, so Pinball FX has been around for a long time, right? I mean, it's it's been on a host of platforms and iterations. Uh, but obviously today is Nintendo Switch launch day. Uh, I'm really, really excited about the Switch because uh, we're doing some things with the hardware that are really innovative and new, and no one's doing, uh, doing these things yet, um, specifically vertical orientation. Um, you know, if you play pinball horizontally, that's great, um, whatnot, but the game is meant to be in a vertical lance, uh, orientation. And so uh, we took advantage of the Switch's hardware capability. We built in that functionality. Uh, we also experimented with the weight um, and the balance of the device in your hand, and so you can take off... Uh, both Joy-Cons, if you like. I think it's best with just one Joy-Con attached, which leaves the HD rumble in there. And you have what I really consider to be the best portable pinball experience available. Um, I've been playing digital pinball now for, I don't know, 20 years or so, and uh, our game specifically for the last 10 years. And I can tell you that this is probably the best mobile adaption we've ever done. And then if you put it on TV, you know, in dock mode with Switch, you get a fantastic 60 frames per second game. We try to give you something just to check it out there's a free table sorcerer's lair and for the next week just to celebrate our 10-year uh launch or our 10-year celebration of pinball effects we're giving you the brand new carnivals and legends pack for free which is the new son of zeus and adventure land uh games so check it out a lot of people wouldn't try pinball if they haven't played machines back in the day but it's it's a lot of fun and we have a great community you know, it is a really fun game. And you know what surprised me about this is I, I think, are you guys the first free-to-play game on the Switch? I, th- I think we are. Um, and that is something that we've always tended to to be, I guess, by default, just because we're this free platform. I didn't really think about it until today when uh, I was talking to Victor, who's our lead um, in the studio, and I said, I think we're the free first free download on Switch. Um, so another... First, for us, we were the first on other consoles as well. Awesome. Uh, what other games? I mean, obviously, you've, you probably were there for Pinball FX 1 and 2 as well. Uh, but what other games have you personally been working on or, or have worked on in the past? In the past. So I, I, I'm celebrating my 13th year in games. Um, the last I've spent about 10 years with Zen, seven dedicated but the very first project that I really got to um, be involved in was with a company called Red Octane. Uh, and back in the day, a game developed by Harmonix was in the groove, uh, which led us then to Guitar Hero. And that was uh, an epic moment for me just as a young person just getting started in the industry to, uh, to jump into that and to be a part of a very small team doing some really big things. And I learned a lot. And from there, I was able to just go on to a lot of other 
really fantastic titles. Uh, I worked on Star Trek Online, which was an awesome MMO back in the day. Um, I don't know, worked on so many games. My favorite Zen game, uh, well, Pinball is absolutely awesome. Castle Storm is another one that we're really well known for, which is like a um, real-time strategy tower defense uh, hybrid, a little mm-hmm. Angry Birds mechanic in there. That was on, uh, actually, that was on Wii U as well. Um, we just did Infinite Mini Golf, which is also on Switch. And uh, that's a lot of fun. So I don't know, 13 years. I don't know how many games I've worked on at this point. I probably have credits in 80, 90 titles. Wow, that's crazy awesome. How, how big is the, uh, the team that worked on Pinball FX3? The whole Pinball team dedicated is about 25 to 30 guys. And that doesn't include QA. We have a fantastic team of QA guys, and they're just constantly working on all of our games. But, yeah, it's a definitely a dedicated pinball team, um, sizable. But we have so many platforms, and we're we're trying to run pinball as a service, uh, as we're calling it. You know, we've been working on the game for 10 years and just updating it, growing it, adding new features constantly. So, um, yeah, we have some really passionate guys, uh, obviously, to work on a game that long and to still be really enthusiastic about it. You, you guys have some pretty cool um, licenses. Like, it, it's pretty impressive the, the varied licenses that you have, not just for the Switch version, but for other versions of Pinball FX. Um, how long does it usually take to build, I guess we would call them tables, right? Not boards. Tables? Right. Yeah, so how long does it generally take for you guys to, quote-unquote, build a table? Uh how like is there a whole lot of stuff where you're like oh, we want to put this here and then you realize if we put that there it's going to be a disaster um how long does it take yeah and uh hopefully we don't you know hopefully we identify that problem early on uh so we don't end up with something in the wrong place because that can just ruin an entire game and months of work it typically takes uh nine months i would say from start you know from the time we start what we call our initial spec and that's just the one page outline of what this table is what what is it trying to achieve what are the brand new special features what are the main play field toys so that gets identified very early on and then we got to go through the whole development process and we'll end up about nine months later with a finished table and then you know you go through another couple months of like qa and testing and, and it'll be published roughly two to three months later so i would say it's a full year uh, from the time we start to the time uh, people are able to play it it can take longer with licensed content because every every little thing gets scrutinized and uh, you know approved, which is good because uh, we, we do want to provide very authentic fan experiences. Um, I think of pinball as kind of like immortalizing a property. Uh, you know, like if, if if you're a Star Wars fan, it it's got to look perfect for for Lucasfilm and for the creators and guys are you know guys are such hardcore fans. We just we can't create a subpar experience so. That usually will add a little bit of time, but it's well worth it. We end up with a really, really high quality product. And if we make a good pinball table, it uh, it actually gets better as it ages. You know, we have so many tables. People come back to a table they haven't played for a long time and it, it can feel brand new. It just, there's, you might discover something about it that you didn't before. You might see some new animation or activate a mode you, you weren't able to do before. Uh, as it's a game of skill, you'll get better at it. So good pinball tables don't age the same way as other types of games. Um, and, you know, it's worth it for us to, to do the best we can every time around. Um, no table is ever just copied or reskinned. We always start from the ground up and um, try to really embrace whatever the theme is that we're developing around. 
do you um do you guys go out to our like trying to find old arcades and stuff and being like all right we got to find some some inspiration and find some physical tables or is the physical world too limiting for for what you guys want to do because your 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 tables are really interactive uh so it's not just um it's not just a, a picture or a, a video of, of pinball happening uh, like parts of the board get up and move around as you're playing. Uh, so do you look at physical uh, tables or is that world too limiting? I would say that we used to look at physical tables uh, 10 years ago when we were first getting started. We took a lot of inspiration from some of the very classic designs and some of the most famous machines. If you look at our, older tables you'll see um some inspirations and even some similarities in, in some design elements uh but as we got more experienced uh we just kind of abandoned the what had been done previously and we really tried to embrace our video game nature and we you know we, we have flippers in a ball that's not going to change but what we can do with the actual game is really unlimited and we're always sort of walking a fine line because we, we want to embrace the game, the gaminess, the video game aspect, but we, we want to still appeal to uh, some classic pinball players. Sometimes we really make them mad. Sometimes we're like, you're ruining pinball. Uh, while we bring in a whole new group of people who are like, oh my God, I never would have thought I liked this game, but you guys just flip the whole table upside down. You know, Thanos's reality gym activated and the whole Infinity Gauntlet table flipped upside down. Like, oh my God, what an amazing moment. So we just do things that make sense with the theme. We, we try to chart our own path now. If you look at real-world machines today, they're actually starting to copy us. Well, not copy us. I should say we're learning from each other. That's that's a good way to put it because they're doing great things. Um, but they're you know they're starting to put in like animations and, and animated clips, and they're doing using LCD screens and trying to appeal more to you know what what people like in video games. So it's kind of shifted somewhere along the lines. That's kind of the long answer for that. So so far, you've mentioned a couple of games um, that are not available on the Switch. You talked about Star Wars, and you talked about I think you uh, Marvel, uh, like Thanos or something like that. Um, so yep. so far, those games are not available on the Switch. Is that because you have a lot of work to do on them, or is that a licensing issue that you still have to work out? Yeah, you know, working with licensors always presents uh, unique challenges. And um, at this time, we're not able to bring Star Wars and Marvel. We're hopeful that we will be able to. Also, the the Bethesda collection, we're hopeful, will be coming uh, to Switch as well. Sometimes when a a brand new platform releases and it's hot and uh, big licensors like to take a step back and they really evaluate from a strategic standpoint what they want to do with it, what their first content should be. Um, you know, obviously they have other licensors and other game partners, so um, a good chance there might be some other game that comes before us or something, but um, we have great relationships with all our licensors, and uh, they're very well aware that we want them to switch, so I'm confident it'll get worked out at some point. Awesome. Um, is there any... Could you give us a little hint as to whether or not we'll see um, any Mario or Zelda themed, uh, Nintendo themed stuff on the switch, because I think that that would sell, I think that would sell really well. I, I think it would as well. <laughs> and, um, that would be a dream come true for us. We've, we've always wanted to do something like that. We, we do have a, a few challenges, you know, our game is so multi-platform and we have millions of players all over the world on so many different devices. And when you take a first party IP like that, it, it kind of restricts it to only one, community of people and um so that's something that we would have to 
except as then, you know, we can't service everybody the same that we do. Uh, but, you know, for Mario and Link and Yoshi and Kirby and Metroid, I mean, my God, it would be so fun. And uh, I, I think we would do it. Awesome. So you, 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 this is your first game on the Switch, right? Uh, well, no, because you have the mini golf game, right? Correct. We have Infinite Mini Golf, uh, which is also on the Nintendo Switch. All right. Uh, so how is it you, – you've developed for a lot of different platforms. How is it different developing for the Switch than it is developing on other platforms? Well, that's a good question. Uh, for us, it's a little different. So our pinball games are all developed in a custom engine, uh, which we – can work on and fine tune at our own pace. And uh, very early on when we received our switch dev kits, we, you know, first thing we did was send them to engineering, uh, made sure that the, we had the uh, engine integration and all the tools are necessary. So really for us, it's no different than any other platform. Uh, It might be different for other developers working with different types of technology. Um, But I I will say this, you know, working on switch was much easier than Wii U. Um, It's, I would say it's there's really for us no difference between other platforms. It's, it's super easy. It fits into our pipeline really well. And really any any game that Zen is developing now for, for anything else, um, Switch is in, included there day one. Uh, we've always been huge supporters of Nintendo. I think we supported the Wii U with actually the most content out of any developer or publisher, indie or AAA. Um, and the eShop just had tons of content there. So, you know, we, we really like to work with Nintendo. Um, it's been fantastic working on Switch. Uh, as a, from a developer's perspective, uh, you you said that it's easy. It was easier working on the Switch than it was on the Wii U. Do you? Th- I I know that there's a million reasons why the Switch has been so successful uh, this year, and the Wii U was not very successful. Uh, do you think that the ease for the the ease of porting or for de- developing um, really helped usher the Switch forward this year, or do you think? that we haven't really seen the results of that because it's still only been that first year? Well, I think third-party support is already much stronger uh, than it was, and it starts with technology. It starts with getting uh, technology in the hands of developers earlier, and Nintendo is very aggressive early on, especially with you know with key partners. So that's obviously driving uh, people's ability to make a choice whether or not they want to invest in this device are the games that they want to play going to be there. And I think the answer is yes, in a very big way. Also, you know, uh, working with Microsoft and Sony and and steam and some of these other stores recently, I mean, there's so many games there and uh, whether or not their indie support is real or not, you know, Nintendo showed up at a moment where it was kind of, that was being questioned uh, by the other first parties in, in the minds of developers and Nintendo really, brought a lot of people in and showed them a great opportunity and a device that was really easy to get up and working on. So um, everyone kind of flocked over there and you see these, these pendulum swings in, in my 13 years of games, I've seen this now happen. I don't know, five or six times. Everyone just runs over there and, and floods it. And then there's something else new and they go and flood it. So I just think it's, a, it's kind of a, a timing issue. I think it's, it's, it is a fantastic device. The portability aspect of playing console style games on a portable device is absolutely thrilling for, for me personally, and I know for, for players everywhere. Um, and then just their, their ease of access and the way that they handled um, that they're handling and supporting indies right now is really, really great. We'll see what happens with uh, AAA guys, but you know, Bethesda right now, they made an awesome move uh, having doom and Skyrim and um, you know, 
it, it's it's really really cool. So I, I think we'll continue to see big support. I think it's going to be a long term success. What they announced ten million units today. Is that correct? Uh, that's well. I don't know if they announced it. I just saw it on a gadget. So I don't know if that was actually announced by Nintendo because they usually um, save that stuff for um, you know like the financial disclosures. Uh, I can't think of what the the word is called off the top of my head, but like the quarterly reports. Um, so I'm not sure if that was an actual press release that was out or not. Um, but okay. it, that's what Engadget says, and that's, I mean, the, the the Wii U sold 14 million in its lifetime, and the Switch sold 10 million in 10 months. That's bananas. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I think back to when they debuted the thing on uh, it was on Jimmy Fallon's show, and just all the steps that they took uh, in their marketing has been brilliant, and just to have Zelda and Mario. Uh, you know, amazing games uh, within the, that period, and also Splatoon and Mario Kart 8, and just the first-party support. You know, because that's ultimately what will sell Nintendo systems. But it's created just an amazing um, opportunity for indie developers. Um, you know, Infinite Mini Golf was shipped on other platforms, and I can tell you, over half of our unit sales have been on Nintendo Switch. So it, it's really powerful right now. Um, it, it's been great. We we really thank uh, the Nintendo community for you know for supporting Zen. Yeah, I, it's you know I think as a consumer, it's a lot easier to find to the discoverability on Switch is a lot easier right now. Uh, yes, because there's less games on there. Um, but when I go to Steam and look for something, it's impossible to find anything that I am not specifically typing in the exact right words for. Uh, same thing on, on iOS; it's it's almost impossible. So. I think right now discoverability is really, really good for indies. I was talking about this with uh, some friends the other day, and we we were thinking that it's really good for indie developers like yourself that the virtual console is not on the Switch yet because that's dollars that people are like, they've got the dollars in their hands and they're like, well, I'm going to try out this that I've never heard of before instead of buying... Um, Mario three for the 15th time. Uh, so do you have any sense of, as an indie developer, do you have any sense of, man, I hope that the, that the virtual console, like just stays off for a little bit longer because it's really, you know, it it has a big shadow basically. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Uh, that's a fair point. You know, discoverability will become uh, uh issue no matter what. Even if they bring if they bring virtual console or don't bring it, it's going to come to a point where there's going to be thousands of titles on Switch. I mean, I think there's there were some weeks when like 20 games launched on on Switch. Um, what's going what happens now is what we think about as developer and publisher of content is that we have to be able to market just as well as we make a game now. Making the game is awesome. We make a, we made a great game. Great. If you don't have visibility or eyeballs on it. Even just from what first parties can give you on a store, you know, like a storefront banner, which is fantastic support to receive, but not every game can get that now. Um, so it's making us totally rethink strategically how we operate, what do we invest in, um, you know, and growing like full on marketing teams who are awesome and on par with like movie studios and other types of entertainment forms. So whether or not virtual console comes or not, that's not going to be a reason why uh, we succeed or fail. It's certainly, you know, less competition is mostly good. 
Um, but that's just kind of my view on it. I think that regardless, developers need to learn how to market better and just, you know, have better strategy to, to compete. So you've, you've mentioned uh, Sony and Microsoft, I believe, and I could be wrong here, I think, but I think I saw in the game that the leaderboards in your game are cross-platform. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, on Switch, you can play, you get a community based off of, uh, let's see, Xbox One and Steam players, and of course, your, your Switch communities. You're not connected to PlayStation 4, Um those guys are still over there in a walled garden, and we hope that Nintendo or that uh, Sony will allow gamers to play together wherever they are at some point. Uh, was it was it um, technologically speaking? Was it really hard to get the Xbox Live to communicate with Nintendo Switch to communicate with Steam as far as getting that that information together to display on everything, or was it just? flip a switch like i was listening to psionics talk about rocket league and they were saying it was really easy all they had to do is flip a switch and i find that just baffling uh to be able to connect all these different platforms together is that is that your experience with it as well yeah it's really easy as long as you can offer uh network services from your own servers uh it's literally turning on a switch um (laughs) i think you actually saw it go live fortnite actually went live with cross-platform features and and PlayStation was like live in their community for a little bit and had to turn it off. I mean, that's how you can turn it on and off instantly. Oh, wow. Um, All right. So we talked a bunch about pinball. Uh, You also have infinite mini golf. Uh, Now you sent me the code for that. And I, I honestly, I haven't had any time to, to check it out. Uh, I think I played like I hit the ball maybe three times and then I had to go do something. So I haven't had any time to check out the game. What's your elevator pitch for that game other than it's mini golf? <laughs> yeah, um, it's infinite. It doesn't end. We've given all the tools to create uh, courses to the players. And so the whole idea behind it is that it's a user generated game um, and whatever, you know, you want to build, you can, uh, and then you share it with the community and whatever, course you create is shared with the entire community so it's all cross-platform again it's you know switch players are with xbox and steam players you can see whatever what they've played um we do a lot of course uh, curation so the best stuff rises to the top we do like a weekly zen picks where we're picking the best content i think we're over twenty-one thousand or twenty-two thousand user created courses now uh, we started with three themes and we've since added two as free dlc so now you get a total of five um and yeah, it's a, it's a fun game. We worked on a game called Planet Mini Golf years ago, and so this was kind of the, the sequel to it. And um, and it's it's a lot better in a lot of ways. We fixed the camera issues, we fixed um, some scoring issues and whatnot. But it's fun. It's an arcade style game. You're not trying to just get par. You're trying to find uh, like get the highest score by getting uh, little power up gems, and, um, and and you actually play mini golf differently than you would otherwise. You usually want to get the lowest score, but here you're trying to get the most points. So yeah, it's a fun game. It's great for the family. I have I have two daughters, uh, six and eight. We we enjoy the game immensely, and we just play it. And um, what they don't even care that I, that I made it. It's just a fun game for them. So it's cool. Yeah, kids are never impressed at the things that their parents do. <laughs> Ever. We're starting. We're starting to be impressed. But when they asked me if I made Mario uh, Odyssey, I was like, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, quick question. Um, you give your games away for free and I could essentially sit down and and play on one of your boards for quite a long time and really enjoy myself. Uh, 
And then you sell the boards separately. Now, has there been any discussion at all into uh, maybe putting some boards into loot boxes and selling gems in order to get people to to like have a random chance at getting the board, like a, a board? Do you know what I mean? Because we've got a lot of the microtransaction stuff going on right now, and you know we've talked about it a lot on the show. And I'm just curious if that has been a monetization model that that Zen Studios has looked at for uh, your games yet. We we've sort of looked at it and experimented internally to see if that would be a fun way for people to um, maybe get a table if they don't know what to buy, you know. But suddenly, uh, loot boxes and those sort of things have a really, well, negative uh, connotation with them. You know, our, the mobile versions of our game are a bit different than what we have on console and PC. Um, you can do things like you can play the game all day long for advertising views, or you can buy soft currency and kind of spend it like in an arcade, where you just put quarters in whatever machine you want to play. And it does okay. But the feedback we get from players is that they just much rather buy the game uh, we try to keep our price points low. We try to always provide a good value. It seems to me like, you know, it, the more straightforward communication approach is just to tell people what it is you made. Here's here's what it is. Hopefully you trust us. We, we try to think long-term in terms of player relationships and just build trust that we're going to make a product that, you know, whatever you buy, you know, you're getting a good value and that the game is good from Zen um, versus trying to, you know, do something with a loot box. If we made it fun where people like, hey, here's here's a loot box that costs as much as a table. You're guaranteed to get a table. You just don't know which one because you don't know which one you're going to buy. That might be interesting. Um, or to gift that to a friend or something, you know. But that's kind of the approach we take with that style of business model. Fair enough. So it's different on mobile than it is on a console. By the way, I will say I purchased uh, one of the Star Wars tables on my iPad at one point, like years ago. Um, and I'll never go back to the iPad again because I've got the buttons and uh, it's so much better having the tactile buttons under your fingers. I really, really liked playing it on my switch much more than I did on the iPad. And I enjoyed it on the iPad too, but it was so much better on the switch with the, with the actual buttons. Yeah. So yeah, you, you kind of see, what I was saying a little bit, um, I loved it when it came on, you know, on, on iPads and phones. It was like this moment, oh, cool, our game is portable. Now a Switch, it's just kind of like, okay, it gra- the game graduated, it evolved. Um, this is the way it should feel in your hands if you need to, if you want to play on the go or stay on a train or something. So, um, yeah, I agree. For me, it's going to be hard to, to play it on, on just on a regular tablet um, or something. Switch has definitely got an edge. So I, I guess my last question is what games can we expect from Zen Studios in the future? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I mean, we're always working on pinball. Uh, so starting next year, we're going to have new pinball releases, um, probably four. We're trying to organize our beats a little more. Or we're trying to put our beats into a little more organized fashion, really like what uh, Rocket League does. You know, they, they did their autumn update. Now they have their winter update. It just helps because there's so much clutter and so many games coming out. If we could just let you all know, like generally, you know, like there's going to be an update four times a year. Um, that's what we're trying to plan and get around for next year. We've got some IP coming into the game that's never been there that I'm really, really thrilled about. Um, and then aside from that, we have uh, one, two, we have three internal teams now um, that are seasoned, mature, been working together for a while, shipped other product. 
they're all working on brand new games. Um, these are new IP. These are probably the things I'm most excited about from Zen. Um, I think it's going to show a whole different side of what we're capable of, uh, whereas a lot of people just think of us as the pinball guys. We're hoping to show that we can do uh, other things as well. We've given a lot more freedom um, to our teams just to to explore and to do what they're passionate about. So I'm really excited about those uh, those games. They won't all launch next year. I think two of them will. And then we have a what we call our port and publish team. And these are guys uh, working on very successful indie PC titles. Uh, we we've found a few developers who want to get their games to um, to like to switch and to other consoles, but just they want to stay focused on what they're doing and, and not get caught up in a port. And so our team is porting them, and we will also publish them. Um, we will announce our first um, port and publish title uh, from a PC developer for Switch uh, early next year. And I'm really, really excited about that, how we're able to lend our expertise and um, development tech expertise. And then we've been publishing for 10 years now on our own, lend that um, support to other developers and let their games uh, find bigger audiences. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share before uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, I'll just say if there's anybody here listening or part of your community who's been playing Pinball FX at all for the last 10 years, uh, thank you so much. It's crazy to think we've been working on this uh, for that long. And, um, you know, games as a service is a new thing in games, I guess, but somehow we've been doing it for 10 years. So that's <laughs> you're, funny. You're, you're ahead um, of the curve. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but it wouldn't be possible uh, without, we have awesome interactions with our community. If you're new, you, this is the first time you're hearing about the game, download it for free. Um, you can play three tables now with all modes and everything and just, you can see what it is. And if you, if you like it, that's awesome. If not, uh, that's awesome too, but just keep an eye on us and, and look for what's coming. Now, where can people find uh, you and uh, Zen Studios? Uh, so Zen's Twitter uh, is Zen underscore studios. We're also on, on Facebook at Zen Studios. Our blog is just zenstudios.com. You can always find all game information there. Uh, me personally, if you like, if I'm interesting, I'm at uh, Mel G. Kirk on Twitter. Might be Mel underscore G. Kirk. I don't know. Look for Mel G. Kirk. And uh, I'm becoming more sociable. So uh, always happy to answer your questions and, uh, and do whatever you guys need. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll add your Twitter stuff to the show notes. So have a good one, sir. All right. Thanks a lot. Okie dokie. That is all the time that we have for today. If there's a story that I missed or a topic that you would like discussed, please let me know. If you're looking for ways to support the show, uh, you can do so by heading on over to runjumpstomp.com slash support. There you'll find my Amazon affiliate link, a link to my Etsy's, my, my wife's Etsy shop, and of course the Patreon Special thanks to Mel Kirk from Zen Studios who came on to talk about, again, their game, It's which is free. You should go out and download it because there's no downside, okay? Uh, Zen Studios made the game Pinball FX3. It's free on the eShop. I think it might be the first uh, free-to-play game on the Nintendo Switch, so make sure that you head on over there, check it out, and uh, thank you to Noteblock and Tom Winter for the use of your music on here. Uh, I appreciate you guys, and um, we'll talk to you on Tuesday, Thursday, because today's Tuesday, for crying out loud. I don't know what day it is. 
Switchcraft is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the publisher and distributor of the world's largest selection of digital audiobooks and spoken word content. Audible customers can listen anytime and anywhere to professionally narrated audiobooks across a wide range of genres, including bestsellers, new releases, sci-fi, romances, classics, and more. Get two free audiobooks to start. After 30 days, if you decide to cancel, you get to keep the books. If you decide to stay on, and you probably will, get one book every month for $14.95. In addition, you also get 30% off the price of additional audiobook purchases. Cancel anytime. Your books are yours to keep even if you cancel. You can sign up today for your free 30-day trial at runjumpstomp.com audible and directly support the show. 